0: I've always had a soft spot for Liverpool, which is a bit strange because I had never been there until recently. My attachment to the city goes way back to my childhood. When I was a kid I was obsessive about English soccer and followed Liverpool religiously, but I never went to see them play and never actually set foot in the city. Now This finally changed this year when I was asked to record a live show at the Liverpool Irish Festival which took place in October. As I prepared for that show, I realised my perceptions of Liverpool would be changed. The city has a long and complex history. Even a few minutes of research brings up its deep roots in slavery. So for that live show, I wanted to interview someone that could help explain this and the wider complex history of Liverpool. It was Emma, the director of the Liverpool Irish Festival, who first put me in contact with Theresa Hill, whose interview you're about to hear. Theresa is passionate about her family history and in many ways it encapsulates so much of Liverpool's history in the later 20th century. Now our conversation proved to be extremely difficult to edit down into a podcast. Theresa and myself spoke for about an hour and every second was fascinating. Her mother's family were from Ireland while her father was from Freetown in Sierra Leone. You're about to hear Theresa speak candidly about growing up black and Irish in Liverpool. How her Irish grandfather, Luke Bernard, encouraged her to have pride in both her African and Irish ancestry at a time when many mixed race children were ostracised by Irish families in Liverpool. We also talked about wider Liverpool history and her family's experience of working in the harsh world of the Liverpool docks. We also looked at how the troubles influenced her life. But what surprised me most though was how religion was so central to Irish identity in Liverpool in the later 20th century, and how frequently sectarian tensions in the city could spill over into violence around the 12th of July. Stay tuned because this is a really fascinating story and interview. Hello, and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dewar. Now, as I mentioned last week, I've paused my ongoing War of Independence series until January when the final four episodes are due to be released. I have some really great shows coming for you between now and Christmas, including this one. Next week is the usual monthly break, but there will be an exclusive show on Patreon and Acast Plus. That's based around research I had initially done for the last episode in the War of Independence series that didn't make the cut. I found a great story of an English coal exporter that got caught up in the War of Independence in New York, but it eventually got edited out as the episode went in a different direction. Now, that will be its own episode, available next week on patreon.com forward slash Podcast and ACAST+. You can find links in the show notes below. Also, don't forget the Irish History Summit is coming soon in January 2022. We have an early bird offer that runs out at the end of November, so if you want to get tickets, check it out now. It's at irishhistoriesummit.eventbrite.ie And finally, the shop. We have a new range of pewter gifts in stock at the moment. You can get pewter pocket watches, key rings, and hip flasks of Constance Markievicz and Grace O'Malley. They're really unique gifts and something that people will have for years to come. Check them out at irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop. That's irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop. Now to the interview. I just want to thank Shirley who drove over, Emma and everyone at the Liverpool Irish Festival who organised the event, the staff at Grand Central where the show took place and the Arts Council of England who supported the festival. And most importantly, I want to thank Theresa herself. Sound on the show is by Jason Looney. So, first of all, Teresa, Hi. thanks very much for uh, coming on the show. Um, it's, a, it's a great honour to have you on. And um, maybe I will ask you to explain, you, you've done a lot of research into your family tree, yeah. and maybe explain for people here and listening at home, your family's history.
2: Right, well, my family's history is part West African, Ames, Freetown, Saleo. And then part Irish, which I've found out Linster is where I'm genetically linked. Growing up, we were brought up very closely with my nan and granddad. My granddad, Luke Bernard, was a, a large figure in my life um, and in all our lives, all my sisters and brothers. Um, he taught us about the histories of Ireland I knew about the the Irish famine. Um, I knew about the Green Hills. I knew all the songs by the time I was about five. He also taught us um, about Africa. He also made me and my sister, Angela, totally aware that we came from Africa and we came from Ireland, and that made us. Um, So we we, we knew that completely. Um, my great grandparents were kept alive even though I never met them. But they were kept alive by my granddad and my nana. So um, our daddy, our mommy, they were my great-grandparents on one side, Bridget Mahmoud on the other side, with John Bernard. So I knew all of them. I even knew my great-greats um, from Di Charlotte Louise Klukas was my great-great-grandmother. Um the Isle of Lise they've actually called Lisey Street after that man, um because he was the first key in the Isle of Man. So um I do know about my greats on that on that level.
0: And your family left Ireland around 1840, you were saying.
2: The first Luke Bernard left Ireland in 1840. He arrived in Liverpool. He didn't stay in Liverpool. He went to the Isle of Man. Um, I don't know why, but he went to the Isle of Man. He married Charlotte Louise. He was born in the Isle of Man and um, Irish descent. And um, he, kept, he came back to Liverpool and raised their family in Liverpool then and died in Liverpool, actually. So you never went back to Ireland as far as I knew.
0: And then I suppose moving back then, you, you talked about your grandfather um, and he would have encouraged the history of both sides of your family, but your father and your, your mother's uh, family. Do you want to talk a little bit more? Like, Because uh, we met last night and we were chatting about it, and your grandfather really comes out as a, a really powerful man. In, yeah, Luke Bernard, in, Bernard
2: in, was a very powerful man. He came from a powerful family. Um, As far as I'm concerned, he was a very forward-thinking man. And when I look back now, I think that when he was looking at his little um, grandchildren, because we were the first grandchildren of Luke Bernard and Emma Harris, um, when he was looking at us, he knew that he needed to protect us. So I think that's why he gave us a strong foundation he, which my mum carried on and my aunties carried on. So we wanted us to know the history of our family and wanted us to be in no uncertain terms. No matter what we were called on the outside, we actually knew who we were. We knew who my granddad was and I knew who my nana was. We were ostracised. Mixed-race children in my, my day growing up didn't know the grandparents. Because the moment married an African or a West Indian man, <coughs> and the family didn't want to know. Okay. But there was also families whose family did want to know, who used to come and take their grandchildren back to Ireland for the six weeks holiday. My family, um, through my granddad, even up until a couple of weeks ago, I'm I'm at a, a thing with all the Barnards. It was a a new baby had been born, a little Reva. I'm just giving her a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we we were there with all all my family on the Bernard side. Um, My mum passed away a couple of weeks ago, and both sides came, which was quite funny, because we had one side in one room, and the other side in the other room over some conflict of well before I was born to do with my nana and granddad. So, um, but we all were together, and, and a couple of weeks I'll be going again with another cousin. So, so our link is quite strong as a family, but that's my family. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm under no illusion, and I know for a fact it didn't happen for every family.
0: Really strikes that you just through everything you've spoken about that your grandfather was quite, uh, as you say, forward. For Luke thinking.
2: Bernard, don't forget that name. <laughs> 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 I love my granddad. He was a beautiful man. My nana was a hawker, a hard-working woman, bad woman. Her name was Emma Emma Harris, and um, she was off the Whites or the Harrises. And then I've got the Bernard's on the Bernard's. Both strong families who both loved us and brought us up very confident knowing exactly who we are regardless of what anybody else in the world thinks. We know who we are and that's what counts. And we still do. We follow that on. My son is called Luke after my granddad. My son's three children are called Luke John. Sinead, Siobhan Bridges. We've kept still the Irish in because of the respect for my, my um, grandfather, who, who I absolutely adored. Me and Angela and, and my brothers and sisters love my granddad. We love me and Anna as well, but my granddad was the stronger figure within the household. All the family used to come so cousins and aunties had come to my nana and granddad's houses. So obviously, we still have that link today. Um, I still link with with my cousins and, um, on both sides, on the Harris side, which is my nana's side, and on the Bernard side. Um, so, so that link, what my granddad wanted, is still carried on.
0: And then... You were talking last night about, I suppose, to to one degree or another, like him taking that stance and encouraging uh, you to have, uh, like, to to be proud of both sides, both the Irish and then the African side of your families. That would have potentially been, like, I suppose, a controversial thing for him. You were talking about when he would have been in in the world of work and things Mm -hmm. like that. Could Would you tell us a bit about, I suppose, Liverpool at that time? That it it would have been, like, I suppose, racism was a. a
2: Oh yeah, it was. Racist Liverpool is a racist city, it always has been. Um, so yeah, it, it was even stronger, racist then, obviously. Jobs, things like that. I mean, my dad, African, he was an Asian seaman because he wouldn't have been able to get a job on shore anyway. Okay. Um, just like when the Irish first came, and um, so, so it was a very racist um, city, but. My granddad protected us and people maybe because of that family being a strong family that we were closeted. Yep. So um, we were never aware of any problems um, until we got older, obviously, and started going out and mixing ourselves and going to school.
0: And then... In the Irish community, I suppose there's a, a stereotype of Irish uh, communities abroad of being white.
2: Mm.
0: How did you find, you know, when you would have socialized in Irish events, things like that, how did you find like was the Irish community welcoming, or how did you find it?
2: Yeah, yeah, we were we were never worried. And and even Jordan I came 1972. And the, the uprising of 81, we had um, Irish white families who were brought up in our community, you fought with us.
0: Can you explain a bit about the uprising of
2: 1981? Well, 81 uprising, I had my son by then, Luke, he was two. So for me, it was a very, very frightening time. Um,
0: what happened? Or it I was about it, at home poli- like-
2: it was over the police. It was okay. We we were fighting the police because it was just constant aggression from the police, constantly verbal abuse, and, and our young boys you even terrified to let them out. And so so it. What sparked it was um, there was one arrest made, and that's what sparked it. But when we say that sparked it, that was just the spark on top of an already bonfire that was already there. Um, we weren't allowed to move. We weren't allowed to move out the area. We couldn't get jobs. Um, it was in every grain of, of society that, that we were fighting um, because of the colour of our skin. And at that point in time, it didn't matter whether we were off-white or we weren't. It was the fact that we were black and we're going to attack you and that's the way it was.
0: And then I suppose that something running parallel and this really surprised me uh, was you were talking about last night about sectarianism and how sectarian tensions in Liverpool I suppose what would have, after the famine with the huge influx of Irish Catholics, mm-hmm. there's a lot written and it's, I suppose, well known about the violent sectarianism. Mm-hmm. But you were saying when you were growing up that that like, sectarianism that could spell, spill over into violence, and I suppose people listening to it at home might be familiar with violence around the 12th of July marches in Belfast, mm-hmm. uh, which still continue. But you can... We
2: did have little skirmishes here because of the Orange Lodge. Um, On the 12th of July, they would march. Now, I went to St. Anne's School, which is on Overberry Street, and they would march past our school. They would march past the the block, so we would throw stones and things. (laughs) Um, Because we were brought up that they were our enemy. Okay. Um, Like the cathedral. Like, for me, more the Irish was more like um, on a religious level. Okay. Um, So we weren't allowed to go in a Protestant church. Um, I never went in the Anglican Cathedral until I was a big woman. And as I was walking in there, I had to say, sorry, Grandad. (laughs) And then when I got in, I got the shock of my life because it's high church. So it, it, you even do a, a, a lot mass in that church. But I, I didn't know nothing about it because we weren't allowed. Um, and
0: would that have been a common experience, do you think, in Liverpool at the time? Like for Irish uh, yeah, Catholics because in Liverpool? In,
2: in our communities, um, it was mainly of Irish Catholic. So in the gardens, in the tenements, like Windsor Gardens, Maitle Gardens, or House, they were like of Irish Catholic. We all went to the same time of school. So, so we mixed like that. During the Troubles in Ireland, we were very much on the side of the IRA. I, do, I can't speak to, for other black people, but we in particular, and in my family, we were very much on the side of, of, of the Irish Catholics. I mean, as a child, we grew up with my mum on a Sunday when she'd cooked all the Sunday dinner, she'd put the music on. And the first song was the Irish rebel song. And that was an LP. And then after that, she'd put on the African Freedom fighter songs. So we knew about um, Africa getting their freedom in April 61 and things like that. And then after that, we could have ours on like hear Michael Jackson, you know, the Jackson 5 or whatever. Now, the Irish Rebel songs, we did used to cry because they were a story. And the likes of Kevin Barry, we'd sob when he was saying, you know, um, do not um, hang me like a dog, shoot me like a soldier. And we'd be crying and... Um, Because we were little kids and we were listening to the story of the songs. So that's the way we grew up until we were about 14, 15, basically.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed to get off my chest. I think we've all been there. Now, I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy. And BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. BetterHelp is convenient, affordable, and gives you the support you need, but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone, or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Irish History today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish History. And then I suppose uh, the outbreak of the Troubles in Ireland and after 1968 in particular, Um, that was a very difficult time for Irish communities across England in particular, Scotland and Wales. And I've talked to friends of mine who grew up in Birmingham. They really had a a very, very uh, difficult time. But what was the experience in Liverpool for the Irish community
2: at that point? Um, People were against the Irish Catholic community. Um, because obviously it, we were getting the propaganda we were getting told was it was the IRA, the IRA, the IRA. Um, they were bombing everything and they were bombing us on the mainland. So obviously people were aggressive towards them. But we were also having our own face as black people as well, because okay. in seventy-two there was a riot that people don't remember in the Liverpool or, or, because we got houses. Um, on a housing estate, which I lived in, in Windsor Gardens. All the people from Windsor Gardens came and attacked the housing estate. We got no help from the police and we had to get um, boys from our area to come and protect us in our houses. So we were having like a double trouble (laughs) 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 if you know what I mean because we were still fighting our own fighters of course yeah
0: yeah. and did you get any support in like obviously you've kind of got the I think you were on a dual heritage and that you know you would have a foot in both like you would have seen it from both perspectives did you ever get like solidarity from an Irish community that was also feeling like you know I suppose just, just it struck me there when you talked about housing that was one of the things that really sparked the Troubles in the North was uh, issues around housing.
2: In, not on, like, a, a mass level, but we had Irish families, pure white families within Toxteth who were with us, who was still with us to this day, actually, who fought with us, who married into us. So, so in, and also, being of mixed race, there was families who had pure white sisters or brothers, as well as being mixed race. Okay. So, so we did have that mix, but I wouldn't say we were aware of the full Irish community, um, like all the Beetleheads or what have you coming down and helping us. But within Toxta, the yep. white people and the Irish who were there fought with us.
0: And then maybe moving back uh, a few generations uh, in your family, you talked about how um, Luke Bernard, I think, and his father, and maybe his father before him, all worked on the docks. Yeah, yeah. And that would have been... Sorry, go ahead. They
2: were all dockers labourers. Um, and my great-great-grandfather, John Bernard, he actually was killed on the Liverpool dock. Um, he, was, um, he was suffocated by coal. cow. He was in the, the hole trying to get the coal and the wrench snapped and killed him. He was only one and left my great grandmother with five children, Bridget McMahon. One child, you, McMahon, was in um, you, Bernard, was the baby. He was only six weeks old at the time. I don't know whether they got any help or anything um, from even the church or, or anything. I don't know. But she was left on her own with them children.
0: And then that would have been a common enough Irish experience, I guess, but the docks don't really exist in the same way as they, like in all big port cities In Dublin the same.
2: Mm.
0: Everything's been mechanised. Do you remember, like, wh- wh- was there still a big employment for Irish people on the docks, like, back in the, like, wh- when did that change or, like...
2: The stories I was told that um, the Irish had to fight to get on the dock, Um. um to get the jobs on the docks. That was the stories I got told when I was little. Um, also, the Irish um, Irish descent did used to fight in Liverpool here. Um, London Road um, was apparently the place at the time. So so they actually did used to fight big men fighting each other. So that was over jobs. I, I, you know, I wasn't born at that time, but that's yeah. all I remember. Um, my auntie Susie, her dad got his eye taken off. Um, it was very violent. My granddad, apparently, um, he put someone, attacked somebody in a toilet or something. It, was, it, it, was, it seemed to me it was quite violent. To um, get,
0: so it's it, like people are being hired I mean, on a daily basis, is yeah, it? Because yeah, because
2: the Liverpool people must have wanted jobs. And we used to have a closed shop, and then the Irish all came, um, and they wanted jobs as well.
0: And kind of the way you're the way you're talking about it there is quite interesting in that, like your ma'am, like it'd been generations of her family since who had since there'd been someone who had lived in Ireland, mm. but it was very much alive in just the stories you talk about her, like. She's almost like she was born in Dublin or something, you know, like that, that she has exactly. that, like that, that community we're able to keep alive. That,
2: uh, I do think that what happens when people do move away from a community, the try to keep y- your culture, you're keeping your culture strong. Um, and I do think that's what um, was happening. Our culture was kept strong. My mum was Bridget Bernard, Bridget being a deaf Bernard, actually. And um, my great-grandmother, Bridget McMahon, when I was looking for her through the records, I think every child in the Dingle was named Bridget (laughs) because of the amount of people. Um, Then they made the Churches because the amount of Irish that came in. They could pay for churches, like St. Patrick's was the first church to come here. Um, other than that, they were like chapels, little chapels. Um, so I do think that religion kept the culture very strong.
0: And then, say events like St. Patrick's Day, uh, I'm not particularly familiar, but I'm guessing it's a big enough event uh, mm-hmm. today. Was it like that in the 70s? Or like, I'm just wondering... You know, where when tensions I, could be more fraught.
2: When uh, I was a child, it was very aim Stone. Like, we had our shamrocks, okay. and you'd have your green ribbon in for school. I used to eat my shamrock, bath the I was a fat child. I was always hungry. The, i were eaten my shamrock. But yeah, we'd have our big shamrock. We knew at the St Paddy's Day. We, were, we had to go to church. Um, also, another thing was my family in particular. We weren't allowed to celebrate Bonfire Night, which as a child was horrific for us. Because um, as far as my family were concerned, Guy Fawkes was a hero <laughs> so we weren't allowed to be in them. but so we used to have to sneak and make the guy and hide it and and like come out and play and like it, you know do penny for the guy but we weren't allowed we weren't allowed to look at the orange large neither we have to turn our backs if we were in the street. Um,
0: and can I ask you a bit actually about that because I was very surprised myself like I had Heard about sectarian tensions in Liverpool, as I said, up until like say the Second World War. Mm. Um, but I wasn't aware that like that that, was, that that kind of would have continued. And I suppose you've got that like echo of tensions from Ireland that I, I think people are be very familiar with them in Glasgow. But mm. you were talking about quite uh, contentious marches around the 12th here in Liverpool.
2: Yeah, in, in when the 12th of July used to march. Um, then all the Catholic kids, we would collect stones and throw stones and (laughs) at them and things like that. I mean, it was very separate for religion. And when um, our cathedral got built, which they call Paddy's Wiglam, but when our cathedral got built, um, the bishops from our cathedral, the Catholic cathedral, and um, from the Protestant cathedral or the Christian Cathedral, whatever they call it, they both came together on Hope Street and shook hands and to try and quell, and it did. Okay. Then people more became more sort of Christian. It wasn't so big as it used to be okay. when I was younger. As I was growing up more as a woman, then it also sort of seemed to die out.
0: And then, I suppose, something that I was very interested in, like I, I talked earlier about, I suppose, one of the connections that explains a lot of the Irish history in Liverpool is the history of the British Empire. And it, But you talked about, the, I, I suppose, like from your like, African heritage, the legacy of slavery in the city it is, is, a, is something that you would uh, feel or see today.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, you still see the product of slavery throughout the world. Um, still institutionalised racism. It's it's, it's as strong as ever. Um, Even though within your normal work life, um, you you don't see it because normal people speak to you on a normal level and deal with you on a normal level. But it is in every um, sector of society. So when people say a thousand years of slave, it's still today because in in all the countries of Europe, in all the countries of the world, um, there, there is still strong racism.
0: Yeah, yeah. That really, it, that really struck me, even like you see it, uh, as I said, in Ireland as well, it's mm-hmm. developing, and it's, it, it, it's uh, so you see the growth of racism, certainly in the last 25 years, or maybe it's becoming more apparent as Ireland becomes a more multicultural society. Um, Then I I just, there's something else I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Just, you touched on it earlier, just maybe around music and culture. Um, I suppose you had access to two quite different cultural slash musical, like, traditions Mm. when you were growing up. Would you have gone to both, like, I'm just wondering, would you have gone to, I don't know, if there was Cayleys or Irish Dances or, like, whoever was playing here, the Dubliners or whatever, or would you have gone to more, like... That a, a, was that a contested aspect of like, your dual heritage?
2: When I was about... Um, between the ages of seven and ten, I actually learned Irish dancing. OK. Um, I, I, I actually learned tap dancing as well. Um, so, so we used to go for tap dancing from one side and, and um, the Irish dancing from another side. Um, so I used to know about things like that but as I became a teenager I was I was more for black um music and and black things and I was more for that but if there was an Irish dance or something going on then we'd always go because you're always going to have a laugh (laughs) and the Irish have just have always been great with me I've never had a problem so um we always know if it if you're Irish, step into the parlour, so to speak. <laughs> and that's the way we look at things. So I wouldn't feel inhibited going into the Irish um, place. I would think I'd feel more inhibited, which is weird, but going into somewhere where it's, it's pure English. Okay. Um, because, obviously, of the love of my grandparents, um, so I, I would feel more... Where white people are concerned, I feel more akin with Irish. Um, Obviously, I'm black, so I'm akin with my African side. But I do feel more akin with Irish rather than English.
0: A lot of Irish people in the US now are talking about Mm. the Irish diaspora actually starting to die a bit in the US because the last big generation to go to the US was in the 1980s. Mm. So, and, you know, just over time... The, the direct connections places. you know that um, i suppose would have sustained mm. the kind of constant movement back and between new york and boston and ireland mm. just isn't there anymore i suppose if you wanted to give a, a the, the health of the irish community in in liverpool, in liverpool is that history of since we t- like we kind of touched on there over the last 180 years back and forth is that still continue or can you see it in the city today
2: um no, I, I don't see it as strong today. Not in anyway. Um, I think it, more the Irish community are more like Kirkdale, um, Kirby. Even a lot of um, Irish descent are in Kirby now. So because of, of the housing thing here, everything got smashed down. And that. I wouldn't say there was very strong in um, Irish in Toxteth Park, as they used to be, okay. from the 1800s right the way through. I think um, now, as I say, it's more Kirkdale, more um, Kirby, that end. But we do have Irish families in, in our community who, are, like I said, were, have always been Oops, there yeah, okay. and are still there now.
0: And then um, something that kind of interests me a lot, and I suppose this is, we're on to the contemporary, but I often wonder how, what we're you know, we're living through huge changes with the internet, social media, things like that. You've talked a lot about, like, various different, uh, what strikes me is you're talking about very intense community links and bonds between a community. And mm. um, people talk a lot about those breaking down, like, through, you know, people are always on their phones, they don't necessarily go to community events. Like, do you see that in, like, you've grown up in Toxted all your life. Like, do you see that community, has that community changed or does it still have uh, those close bonds? Like, you, you, you talked there about, like, um, earlier now, on.
2: Now it has changed because since the riots, um, the, 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 the City Council then started to um, actually move people out of, of Toxted. Um, so a lot of people did leave, the the area, and then the community started to change. Um, So as a community, um, we're not as tight as we were, but we are trying to get that back now. We're trying to get our Caribbean centre back up and to try and build them links back again. um, And obviously now as well, a lot of people are on social media, so the ones who aren't on sort of get left out, if you know what yep. I mean. So, so you don't hear that much unless you're on social media of things that are going on. But the community is becoming strong. We've got the youth now who are coming up and, and um, continuing with them, links.
0: Teresa, thanks very much. I really appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> um, Again, we would ask the audience if anyone has a question. There's one, there's, we have two here. So, To finish, I just want to say thanks to Teresa for sharing her story. It was really fascinating to meet her and talk about her life. Don't forget, next week's episode is coming up on Acast Plus and Patreon. You can find links in the show notes below. Until next time, sloan.